Okay, welcome back. We hope to start future weeks uh, a few minutes earlier. We're working with a new camera, so it might take uh, a little bit of training. Hopefully it'll go. We began just the first paragraph in the introduction to Sefer Shaftim, which Amit Hashem we hope to do thoroughly. And if you thought that Shmuel and Malachim was complex and fascinating, Shaftim, which preceded both, is full of many, many different themes and uh, Musr, halachas, and accounts of what happened, and often, because it's more well-known in certain ways, is uh, more misunderstood. So, first we're going to try to explore the introduction of the Das Seferim, and perhaps one more introduction after that, and then begin and try to get a sense of where we're starting. Yeshua bin Nun was nifted at the end of Sefer Yeshua. He had not conquered all of Eretz Yisrael. Ironically, one of the biggest uh, pieces of Musr is the fact that Yeshua ben Nun, and this is not quote-unquote Navera, it's just uh, a calculation, Yeshua ben Nun, only with complete Lishma, Hashem Shemayim, wanting to save Klai Yisrael from Averas and keep things on par with what the Mahalach is supposed to be, had a plan that if he goes a little bit slower, he'll be able to prolong his life, not for self-interest, but for the sake of Klai Yisrael. He knew that as long as he was alive as a Hemshech HaMeshach Abenu, they would stay on a higher Madriga, which was true. And if he goes slower, he thought he would have the guarantee that since Yisrael is going to be conquered by him, the longer it takes, the longer he stays here, and the longer he stays here, the longer Klai Yisrael will enjoy the benefit of his leadership and will stay more cohesive and will be able to accomplish more in their Ruchmias. Chazal seemed to indicate that he was supposed to live to 120, as his Rebbe did. And he lived to 110. <coughs> and that was because 110 is, Baruch Hashem, a very nice, long, accomplished life, which he was. And it goes down in history as the leader of Klai Yisrael, second only to Moshe Rabbeinu in many ways. But as a kanas for his cheshben, almost like a throwback to Chizkiyot, Kashid, Rachman, Olamalach, make too many cheshbenes, he died earlier and they had conquered less than they would have had he lived to 120, and that it was not correct in terms of the cheshben that he had to conquer everything. He had to conquer a lot to get it moving, but that wasn't really a necessity that he oversee everything. Before he was Nifter, he was given the direction to give out the land, Bigurul, specifically, so they would know what's in front of them, the parts they didn't conquer, what they're supposed to be getting, subdividing, but it's going to be up to them, which is where Sefer Shaftim is going to begin. And yes, he was correct that in the void of the leadership that he left, things are going to be more challenging for Klai Yisrael and for the Shiftei Ka until the first Shafit, the Biasnil Ben Kanaz, comes and 
takes the leadership. There's colors in between. There was the leader of Shevet Yehuda, but there was no one leader. And the backdrop of this, which he will mention in his Zagdama, is they're not going to appoint a king because, as you know already from Sefer Malachim, I strongly favor the Mahalach of the altar. Slabotko gave it probably the most uh, important overview and theme, but we're probably going to see parts of it maybe during Nagdama, maybe during the Sheftim itself, but he's the one to put down, which is where Vigdor Miller gets it from. He learned the Slabotka. That's why he heavily accents this. It's crucial for, for say, for Sheftim that the Pusik that comes up a few times that Ish Be'enov, Yasa, Yasha Be'enov, meant as a criticism that they're doing their own thing. It was, sounds like Lahavdalov, Avdalov, the Wild West was most often a compliment that they were able to govern themselves, which is incredible because no society, no people have ever been able to do that before or since. Matter of fact, uh, one day, or one hour, one minute without uh, heavy police presence in any major city in the United States, which is more tame than some other countries, is mayhem, hence the blackouts and the like. And here they had an experiment of self-government, which most of the time is a period of 350 years, Shreftim, and most of the time it works and it works well because they were inherently from and inherently had a lot of Yerushamayim, were civil people, obviously, and wanted to do the right thing. So they didn't have a king, they didn't have an official government, they didn't have a police force, they didn't have a standing army. You see, each battle they have to take care of, and that to raise an army to get it done. This, for any other people, any other country, would have self-destructed in 10 seconds. And that's the godless. The downside is there were a few disasters in between where because there was no central authority, it didn't get done in a proper way because they didn't use the right channels, even though they were trying to do the right thing, like Pelagish Begiva. I will point out, Pelagish Begiva and Pesel Micha. We're going to get to... A few years from now, it's at the end of Sefer Shaftim, but chronologically, it's at the very beginning. We'll yet discuss when we get there. Washmul Anavi, who was given the Nevuah and wrote up Shaftim at the end of his life, why he chose to put Pelagish Begiva and Pesamicha at the end, even though it happened at the very beginning. Allah Davrahu, that needs Hezber. But the two worst disasters were at the beginning, at this point of confusion after the Misa of Yeshua Benun, before Asniel Ben Kanaz comes and takes the reins. Uh, Kalev was much older at this time. Kushim Rishasayim, as we'll see soon, the first villain started oppressing Klai Yisrael, and they were confused. And even the worst disaster of... Sorry, part of the job is going to be to measure which one was the worst, Pesel Micham, Pelesh Begiva. Pelesh Begiva made more of a ration because there was a major battle and almost decimated Shevet Binyamin. But the trigger and the cause of the disaster was Pesel Micham in the background. There was just no jarring, one jarring event that happened. But both of these things happened at a time when they were feeling low and they were feeling a bit lost, which is the Yitzhahara's fertile grounds for getting things done. And even so, Pelegish Begiva, if you hold that as the poster boy for the worst disaster ever in the history of Klai Yisrael in terms of when things went wrong in terms of civil war, the whole battle was fought L'Shem Shemayim. Because a few ruffians did something wrong and they wanted to make sure, uh-oh, we're here not too long and Yeshua Benun is gone and this is starting, we better stamp it out very quickly. So, 
and that was the worst disaster, and they did the Shane Shemayim, and we had to figure out why they didn't have Siat Shemaya, what went wrong. So, as we did by Sefer Shmuel, Sefer Malacham, I'm going to be throwing a lot of things out, and we're going to be tying things in over the period of the Sefer, but the backdrop over here is going to be, as the first line, the second paragraph is going to indicate, Sefer Zenikra Gam B'Shem Sefer HaYosha, that's Gamarna Vodazan Chafem and Aleph, Sefer HaYosha means Sefer HaYosha, the Sefer about upstanding citizens, about great people. And most of the time they got it right, and when they didn't, the Navi is going to let them know loud and clear. We're going to have to figure out what lessons could be drawn for us, which is why the Navi was written. Yes, Elliot, you... Uh... Yeah, uh, Completely the Shem Shemayim, because he thought... So that's a very, your second question, we're going to dwell on a lot, so, so keep that under your hat. The Urvatumim, many riots, was actually never consulted in the time of Yoshua. It was there, and it was, it was, a, it was a Adam Gadol, Adam Oid. The good news is it wasn't necessary to consult it. One would only consult when he thinks there's a Shaila. Yeshua Benun didn't think there was a Shaila. And what his Havamina was is that it's pretty clear in Chumash over and over again that Moshe Rabbeinu tells Klai Yisrael that he gets smicha to Yeshua Benun. We just learned all this. And it says, Hu Yanchil. Hu Yanchil sounds like he's going to be in charge, which he was, and he's going to do the Nachalah. Sounds like good Havamina, start to finish. It wasn't true and it wasn't meant to be true. He didn't know that. But once you assume that he's going to be Machal, as he was told in Chumash, so then, as long as I'm here and the Nachla is not finished, so I have to still be here. And the longer I'm here, the longer they're going to stay in the Madrega, and him and his Dar were the conduit of the Messiah from Moshe Rabbeinu. It's like they still were the Dar Midbar, which had a lot of Midlas. And it wasn't true, and not only that, because that mistake in Cheshbon, can't call it an Avera, uh, it was actually shortened, which now thrusts us into Shevtim 10 years earlier with all the bright spots, but all the problems, the Navi with the magnifying glass will focus on the problems. Yeah. We're here to remind you of the bright spots of, of all the things that happened in between. I might be wrong on my memory. Yeshua was, what, about 14 years after the Tira of Moshe? What do you mean, 14? Uh, how many years was Yeshua and Mani before? No, he went in for a long time. The 14 years was just, uh, was just the, uh, the Mishkan <coughs> over there. It was, it was, it was a lot longer. And the exact number was a lot longer, and he actually was the manchil in a way where he was told by Moshe Rabbeinu himself, continue. You're looking for a number of years, how many years he was told to continue. There were no, if there was, if he got a standing instructions of how many years, uh, they wouldn't have had this problem. So that, I don't think that, that was the question. He didn't have a finite number. He just felt the longer it goes, that 10 years doesn't sound like a lot in the sands of time. It was a huge amount because not only is 10 years, 10 years of teaching and giving over the Messiah, there was real estate over here, a lot of land that wasn't conquered, and who knows what he could have accomplished in another 10 years. Would he have done 100%? We'll never know whether in reality he would have accomplished it or he would have accomplished enough that we wouldn't have had these major battles. Uh, we're going to start Shaftim with 
a lot of, um, I say, uphill battles. Yehuda, who is the strongest shaver, the shaver, really is mantle leadership. It's supposed to go first, and he will go first. We're going to find battles that have to be planned very, very carefully. Even though there's still going to be Nisim and there's going to be Siat Hashemaya, but they're not going to be Zechit to the open Nisim. Yericha, it's not going to be. And that's going to be part of the challenge is when you know Akash Baruch Hu is there helping you and there's still an Uvatumim and there are Nevi'im and there will be more Nevi'im, but the Sheftim have access, but it's still going to be Derech Ateva. So that's going to be, that's going to be part of the challenge. Yes? So, a very good question. You guys are very awake. Uh, he didn't or wouldn't think to pick a successor if he didn't think he was leaving anytime soon. Remember, he assumed at least 120, like his rabbi, maybe more. If he's Echlechach, and all of a sudden that didn't happen. Shlomo Melech, if you recall, had big plans. He was, could have been the Melech HaMashiach, and he starts a whole elaborate, complicated, halachically complex plan of marrying all these women and Gieris, almost a Gieris, maybe a Gieris, and then bringing the Shreir to Yushalayim to see the Nisman of Flos and impressing the Umas and being Magdal Malcha Shemayim and being Mepharsim Malcha Shemayim. is a great plan. And it could have worked had he lived another five, six decades. He died relatively young. And because he had this plan which depended on him living many, many decades, and a lot of Siat Shemayah, Kosh said, again, Kavshed Lachmah don't do my work for me that much. Do terror mitzvahs and don't make any changes. Which is always where these are good, not good people, these are G'dayli Elam who really wanted to make and affect huge amount of change. But when you start cutting corners and doing things that are not so pushed with Harosha here and Harosha there, so you can have Shlomo Melech who was Nifter at Tzaddik and gave us a large part of Nach. You can have Yerub Menavot who went completely off. And you have Yeshua Benun who didn't do any of Eris, quote-unquote. It just says, Cheshpen caused Hashem to have to, Kaviyochol, show that, no, no, it's not dependent on you and you can't try to stay longer with this Cheshpen and Klai is going to have to take care of themselves. So it's a dangerous, dangerous Cheshpen. So Yeshua Benun didn't think it was necessary at this point. And they're supposed to be appointing the king, which we're not going to get around to for 350 years for many different circumstances, but the Alta says that they didn't need a king, and a king is dangerous because if he brings them up, then he's doing what he's supposed to be doing, but if he goes off, he has a lot of power. So it's a dangerous gamble, and if you don't need it, and you're governing yourselves, so hold off until you find the right man, the right shaver, which is going to be the segue at the end of Shaitim to Shmuel. So let's go back to the second paragraph. Sefer Zenikra Gam B'Shem Sefer Hayasha. Alshum, that's a tremendous compliment. Alshum, Shabbatikufas Hashavtim, Osi Yisrael, Sayasher, Be'eni Hashem, Be'derachlal. Every time they went down, every time there was a Russia who was sent to persecute them, and every time they fought back and did tshuva primarily, and then succeeded in the fight, the Pusik will end off the whole parak. We're going to have this over and over again. And the land was quiet for 40 years, the land was quiet for 30 years. They had huge. Periods where, Baruch Hashem, they did tshuva, they stayed in the Madriga, they're doing the right thing, and there wasn't a problem. But we're not going to, that's one puzzle. We're going to hear about the problems and the metamorphosis and what they did with it. 
another piece of information, maybe at some point we'll get to it. There is uh, somewhat of a machlekes, there are letters back and forth between the Alto and the Chaznish. Fascinating. They, the last uh, decade they've been printing many of the Mechtav and the Chaznish and they put in a separate, it's designed the covers, like the Chaznish, Sefer Chaznish on the Mesechtis and the old Chaznish that we know and their Mechtavim and they reprint the Alter's original shtickle, which is the overview on Shaftim and the Tkufa and the Chaznish's Machlegesim. I went through it very, very carefully. I originally copied it. We might still see some of it, but enough of it is reflected over here that for now, I don't want to spend a year just on the introduction, so we're not going to see it inside. But the Chaznish argues at a certain point where he doesn't disagree, and I've seen it misquoted. That's why I'm mentioning this. There's not much like it's the altar in the Chaznish, whether or not there were great people during this whole Kufa doing great things, and it's called Sefer Yashar in the Gemara, and the Gemara Paskin Sefer Yashar means that for much of the time, they're doing unbelievable things, and they accomplished a lot. The shaila is, what do you do with the psukim? And when we get there, we'll explain it and refer to this machlekes. When it says they did horrible things, how do you touch the avodah they were involved in and the like? And the mahalach that most take, we took in Malachim, and that we're going to take over here, is that, yes, they did avodah and you're not whitewashing that. Avodah was done, and palegish begiva happened, the Shaili is what were they accomplishing or trying to do when they did Avodah What was the status of the people as they did it? Were they still, did they hold themselves to be from, go to the and then dabble in some Avodah And how many people were there? There are, in my opinion, the Chaznish doesn't disagree. There's too many Rayas that the overwhelming majority of the people were doing the right thing. If you remember when we tried to eradicate Avodah we learned this yet Malachim and they fit everybody into one building. All the Asaras Ashvatim with all the Avarazara, and they, I don't care how big that building was. They forget, fit everybody into one building, the hardcore of the Avarazara. So when it talks about these Averas, is there any push shot to the Pasuk, or is there a push up shot, but we just have to learn how many people were involved and how bad it was? That's a slight machalik as the Chaznish and the altar, but not really relevant for our limit over here, because the Chaznish, the letters are, are fascinating back and forth, but the Chaznish is no doubt that Chazal take a view by calling it Sefer Yashar and other Rayas that you have to understand the Averis of the Kadmanim, you have to understand the Madrega, as we do by the Dara Midbar. And the altar agrees that, like I said, there were people doing Avarazara and other things, and that's why Kosh Baruch Hu sent these Rishayim to punish them, because on their Madrega, they certainly deserved it. So I make mention of that now, but Again, as we continue in this paragraph, he'll be quoting a lot from the, from the altar. Sefer Zanikra, again, Gam B'Shem Sefer Yashal, Shum Shav, the Kufus HaShev, the Masi Yisrael, the Yashar Ben HaShem, the Klal, Av Ki Pa'amim Rabbus HaYizah Rak HaYashar Ben HaShem. Often, the decision wasn't wrong. Fi Rois Pratis Mivli Shiichnu Lesamchis Al Yena, without really plugging into what HaKadosh Baruch Hu felt should be done and without referring or asking the Yom Vatum, or asking in the right way, which would happen by Pelagish Begiva. Gam Yediyas HaTayra, I'll call Prate Dyanea Nechleshes, Nechlesha, Bimkaim The advantage of the Dara Midbar, which ended up being an advantage, even though they're there for 40 years, because they have errors they did, but every time you have a punishment, the punishment, as we spoke about yesterday, 
for the Yitzhadas. The punishment is not a punishment. Hashem doesn't want to punish somebody for the sake of having them suffer, obviously. The punishment is supposed to be Amidah so we understand what we did wrong, what we have to fix up, and how it's going to bring us there. We spoke yesterday about the Zayas Apecha, the learning the Shiba to your boss and to your clients to teach you that uh, you're really supposed to have a Shiba to Agosh Baruch Hu and you're not your own Balabas. And now it's learned the slow, hard way. And uh, when you're in the office, you uh, try to focus and refocus that no, the boss is not making my decisions in life. It's Agosh Baruch Hu, but it's teaching me humility. That's part of the Midikanegamid over here, a very powerful lesson. If you didn't hear the drasha yesterday, uh, that was the very short version, but an important uh, look into the first Aveir and the first Danish. Everything is here to help us grow one way or another. And over here, we have a situation where in the Dara Midbar, they stayed for 40 years as an Einish in the Midbar, but for 40 years they had a Kailul within Ananim in a very small area, and everybody was together, and the tents were pretty close together, not facing each other. And the best measure was close by, and Moshe Rabbeinu was there, and all you had to do all day was learn, because the mud was falling, and the clothes were being dry cleaned by the Anonim, and you had the bear Miriam, and even when Miriam wasn't there, you still had the bear, and you couldn't get better than this in terms of focus. All of a sudden, they're in Eretz Yisrael, and everybody's got to go fight their way to get their homestead, and Klai Yisrael is now spread out. Eretz Yisrael to us doesn't feel that big. Because you live in New York, if you're only traveling an hour and a half to work, you're already in good shape. It only takes an hour and a half to... We're used to New Yorkers, are, it's a crazy situation. Traveling an hour and a half to... Traveling an hour and a half in Israel can get you far. So we look at it, it's a small country. It's, there's plenty of land there. They haven't released 90% of it. And plenty of room. And it's Eretzvi, and when we need more room, we'll get more room. And there's still three nations we never even got... Conquered yet completely. There's plenty of room there without going into the Sinai. And when you're far from your neighbor and all of a sudden you're on your farm and the neighbor's a few acres away and uh, you got to go miles without cars to collect a million. So everybody starts farming and farming is hard work and planting their vineyard and tachas gafna and tachas te'inai and the cohesiveness is going to suffer. And so will the learning. Yisrael does very well, which why I feel, people have asked me over time, why did Hashem give us such a small country? The, the mistaken premise of the question is that Hashem gave us a small country. We haven't filled up 90% of it yet. We're very concentrated in certain areas. It's, it's not small. You look on the map, America looks a lot bigger. It's about the size of New Jersey, and uh, well, New Jersey has a lot of room also. If we're going to Garden State, uh, there's plenty of room, and we're not anywhere near of running short, and we won't, ever. With that said, I think if you look at what's going on at Shaftim, one of the big problems they had to get used to, and it's not when I use the word problem, this is life, the way it's supposed to be. They were promised a land, they're supposed to have an achla, it was divided up, and everybody got their farm, which is wonderful. And they don't have to be on top of each other. I think one of the reasons it's not spread over 50 states is because they had enough of an issue even navigating the distance that they're not used to now, getting together for the shiurim and for the best medrash and, and for the learning and for the minyan and for the davening, because everybody had to do their own thing, and the shvatim now had to focus on what they had to conquer and what they had to develop, and that's hard work in the gashmias. Can you imagine had it been spread over Texas? 
that's uh, one of our Texan uh, presidents, I don't remember which one it was, said that uh, you have to sort of help them out because their whole country is smaller than my driveway. <laughs> so, HaKadosh Baruch Hu Ayat Hashem Baruch Hu has plenty of room. Could have given us any country. The answer is the Gadusha is here and there are a million reasons we're not privy to why it has to dafka be here and there's still going to be plenty of room. But more room to have your own acreage. I think we were talking about Johnson last time, right? So his, I think his ranch was what? How many miles? I thought it was Bush. What? I thought it was Bush. Uh, Bush, I think, said the first comment, but we were talking about uh, Johnson last time. And I think the size of his ranch, yeah. I think it was, it was hundreds of miles. I mean, so if you live over here and he lives over there, you know, to go to Minion is already on Potters. 18 minutes, 18 minutes of the share. I don't have to drive over 18 minutes. So that's not good for anybody. We want Clay Yisrael somewhat in a concentrated area. And we've done well with that in the Gullis, not looking to build ghetto walls, but there was an advantage. And Lamaisa, we're living in Muncie, there are no walls, but we're in a ghetto, Baruch Hashem. And it's working very well. We're going to be stuck in Choslaritz, have a lot of Yitin around. It's, it's wonderful. So, over here, they're very spread out, which is, which is what has been discussed, and that was a challenge and was something they weren't used to and they had to get used to it. And the learning curve doesn't happen overnight. So that's what he's saying in the third line in. It's the idea of Torah, and the idea of Alocha. And the learning suffered because they weren't a kill all day. They had to farm, and they had to develop, and they had to conquer, and they were spread apart. Keep in mind, Torah Shabbat Pet was Torah Shabbat Pet. So you couldn't even go in your local best magic and pull out a Shas and pull out a Mishnah Burr because it wasn't written down yet. That's the way it's supposed to be. You're supposed to need the reason Torah Shabbat Pet wasn't written down. One of the many reasons. The guy shouldn't steal it. That's one primary reason. And even though it's all written down now, you still got to learn how to learn. You have to come onto a Rebbe. You need to learn it. You need to pass on the Messiah. It requires a trigger. You must come on to the previous generation. You have to learn it. And that's still going to be done for a couple thousand years. It's still being done now, even with everything written down. But the greater the distance and the more preoccupied people are, the more challenging that's going to be. Uh, the, the fact that the Chamashim themselves weren't in great number, meaning to write a Sefer Torah was a big deal. The Glaukoshiak it was expensive, and even the Torah Shabbat wasn't in every single house. Now, there is a mitzvah the of Kisu Lachem Sashir Hazais, but I think historically, it was not always done by everybody because not everybody knew how to write themselves, and then you had to get a Shaliyah, then you had to pay, and that is challenging. The reason there's a mitzvah like that is because of Teresh Valpez not being written down. You need at least the text to be able to sit there, take Pasuk by Pasuk, Darshan, and sit with the Rebbe and understand what it means and give over the Teresh Valpez. And that wasn't found in every single house. Now we have the various reasons why we're not sure whether we're Baki B'chaseyes V'yaseyes. We have everything attacked Baruch Hashem, but we're not sure about every single Vov. There are a couple of Shinuyim, very few Baruch Hashem. And the people can't afford it, which was an excuse then also. It was more than 50 year assets. You don't have to do it. And if you physically can't, and there's nobody to write it, then it didn't get done. And that added to the challenge. We're used to having every single base measure, Baruch Hashem, hundreds and hundreds of sperm, 
And we're used to the luxury, which is recent, like the last 40 years. In Europe, uh, they used to have sponsors where if you put together in a town, this guy had a brachas, this guy had a manachas, this guy, maybe you'd be able to put together a shas. And in small villages, not even that. So, due to the Scotland, Hashem keeps making it easier for us to be able to learn, so we should be able to still pass it on, but that was a challenge then. Next, Behetem, Lamashin, Etzavi Yisrael, Batera, Nisman, Shaitan. Lest you think there was no law and order, as we described, they didn't need a police force, Baruch Hashem, most of the time, they didn't need a standing army, they didn't need a king to be able to have an iron fist to enforce halacha and break the hands of Rosham, which is the job of the king. They still need Shaitan to be able to don when Sikhsukhim come up in border disputes and land and trade, and these things are needed all the time, and they did it. We always had Rabbanim, Dayanim, Shaftim, Rabbeim, always had people giving over the Maseira. And it's called Shaftim because they had most of the Tkufas a central Shaftit when it was necessary, but besides that, they were Makai in the Mitzvah of Shaftim, Titim Lacha, and Shaitrim when necessary. And Baruch Hashem, that didn't require a standing army. We will take this paragraph next week because I want to get to the Peleyates. Take out, there's a, there's a box over there. Yeah. Gracious. Yeah, it shows the godless of the people. That's a tremendous compliment. Whatever you say, that's the same. The Machlekes in the altar and the Chaznish, there is a detailed Machlekes how exactly to read certain Sukkim. But nobody disagrees that if over 350 years we only have X amount of disasters and X amount of uh, times where it was clearly reported the Madrega slipped and then they had to be woken up. But then again, you have the description of decades of uh, tremendous prosperity on the material front and in the Ruchnius, uh, obviously, they didn't need the wake-up call. So, yes? What's striking is the two biggest disasters, Plagues Begiv and Pesel Micha, which happened toward the beginning, is not written about toward the end. And I, I was toying last night, as late as last night, with the idea of after the introduction, should we do Plagues Begiv and Pesel Micha first? I toyed with the idea for only about six seconds, because even though I decided to mention it, because we should know that coming to Yisrael and the change that happened in society, and, and the Ravida was jarring, and that's why it happened, because they were thrown off a little bit. But Shmuel and Avi chose to write it last, so I'm not going to go out of order. There's a reason why he wrote it last, and we'll get to those reasons. I'm mentioning it now, because it did happen now, and it happened because, I don't think it's a coincidence, nothing's a coincidence, obviously, but it's understandable that the reaction, the violent reaction they had to... A seemingly small Misa. There were a few ruffians who did something which was horrible, and it reminds us of Saddam, and it was really, really out of control. But it wasn't a major part of Klai Yisrael. It wasn't even a major part of a Shevet. And they fought a war like we never had. We're used to in Malachim, that is civil war between the Yehuda and Sarasashvatim, on and off, here and there, nothing like Pelez Begiv. They almost decimated a, an entire Shevet, and they fought uh, three major battles over it. Why the harsh reaction? The answer is because they were 
I'm not going to say losing their footing, but they felt that Yeshua Benun just died. We don't know exactly what to do next. What do we do? We're just on the cusp of finishing the conquest, and now this happens. That's why they had such a violent reaction. Because they didn't want it to, because of their high madrega. It was, it was a religious war, Lamaisa. And the question is, so why did both sides have such heavy casualties, and why did they lose so much, and what went wrong? That we'll see. But all the answers of Dakas de Kechilukim, the first view of Chazal, is going to be, why are you fighting a war over a covenant of Basav Adam? What they did was horrible to her, and it was a terrible violation of uh, personal space and Beron uh, Lo but Chesamicha going on. What, what happened to my covenant? That's a very Dakistic uh, Pesalmicha, which, again, we're not going to get into now. As a Shaila, why indeed didn't they fight a major battle? Because it wasn't clear, it was Avodah like many of the things going on in, say, from Lochim, where they had Tewitzim. The Tewitzim weren't Kavaldic at the end of the day, and it wasn't correct. But they were trying to figure that out. So, but Shmuel put it at the end for a reason, and we'll discuss that when we get there. Yeah. Yes, yes, the, that compounded the problem, yes. You're, 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 you're not incorrect. The whole Shevet didn't want to do anything, but that became a covered issue. It's not that Moses Shevet and Yamin agreed with what happened. They also thought it was horrible. But it became an issue as you're telling us what to do. This is an internal issue. We have an internal government. We have our own Dayan, and back off. So it became a covered issue when Yehuda and then the rest of the class wanted to impose their will, and they were right in essence, but it became a covered issue, not a, not a referendum on whether Gilead Arias was proper. Remind me in four years from now, <laughs> we, will, uh, we will get to it, but Ian, it's uh, the reason why this is, Shaysefer Shaytim is so crucial is because most of these stories we grew up on, and that makes matters worse, because we view them from the eyes of, yeah, there's Shimshin, there's all the exciting stories. Everything has a million chazals, medrashim, and gemaras behind it, and that they really have to learn it. Being like any other sugi, as we have done, Mitzvah Shem will continue to do. Let's go, speaking of brothers and fighting, page Lamed Hay in the Appellate Yates. You don't have to worry, we're not going slower because the question is the more we do in the Agdama, the less we'll have to answer when we read the Psukim, so that's fine. <laughs> You're doing well. Page Lamed at the bottom. Ikra Ava, we're talking about Avas Achim and taking care of relatives and brothers and making sure that you're not triggering any kinna that's unnecessary, that's inevitable. Somebody's going to have more, somebody's going to have less. And not everybody has the same script in their life, and people are always looking at everybody else, and the grass is always greener. And have a situation where uh, I Dafka had a patch of my backyard, uh, which wasn't so green this summer. You know, we had a lot of sunshine, Baruch Hashem. So uh, one of the family members discussing, should we uh, do something about it? I said, you know what? Let this be a key that somebody should think my grass is not as green. <laughs> There's nothing, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Let them look. There's no reason that now nah, you don't have to have the neighbors complain. You have to keep your lawn somewhat because otherwise it could become a chil Hashem, even though all my neighbors um, here. But <laughs> maybe that's a bigger chil Hashem. Nobody complained. It, it, uh, it, I spent enough money already on the uh, shrug. You didn't notice any eyesore, did you? 
You know what? Maybe it was your backyard. I never know the difference. Uh, but Lamaisa, uh, there's an Indian to go out of your way, not to trigger jealousy, especially the closer a person is. A brother is going to have this inborn sibling rivalry, and that's something you try to avoid. With that said, you've got to live. So you've got to have a balancing act where you're living and you can't say, excuse me for living. But there are things you can avoid and tone down that uh, you don't have to invite jealous eyes. And that's what we discussed yesterday in the paragraph before. Yes? I'd love to blame everything on liberals, so that's a good line. Uh, but uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's interesting how it became an expression because it's really uh, a human frailty. Everybody's always looking and everybody's assuming, not knowing what's going on. Everybody's assuming that, yeah, why do they have it so easy? Everybody has their challenges, and everybody has their nisyanis, and everybody's here to be a in something. You don't have to worry about those things. You don't have to worry about yourself. Everybody's here to do the same tire mitzvahs and the same shas and peskim. And as you go through that, certain things you find more difficult, certain things you find easier. And when it comes to brothers, it's highlighted because as you're growing up, the talents and the character traits of the siblings are right there in front of everybody. And the parents have the very delicate dancing act of trying to bring out the best and highlight what's good and try to fix what's not so good, but do it in a way with a bunch of kids in the house where you're trying not to accent the bad to embarrass one in front of the other. So when you're giving mussy, you've got to do it quietly. And you're trying to bring out talents without highlighting in front of the other kids because the other kids are going you know, say, what am I, mashed potatoes? Why don't you, why don't you talk about my great uh, talents? So you have to build the kids up and you've got to give mussy as needed, but you got to remember their brothers and sisters watching. And that's a very difficult balancing act. It's so difficult, Yaakovinu almost got it completely right. Yaakovinu. Why give Yesef a Ksenis possible? What? In hindsight, you know, caused a lot of trouble. Chazal mentioned that. It wasn't an Avera per se. It was a Cheshpin. The, the others had Cheshpin mistakes, which Yaakovinu recognized after a while, and he, he paid dearly for it. Why did give Yesef a Ksenis possible? The answer is to highlight his stature and royalty, that he's the preferred Ben, he's the Talmud Muvik, and he's not going to work, so it had long sleeves that you couldn't bend the arms. And so that's why he did it. What was the problem? The problem is it highlighted the fact that he's different than a Talmud Muvik and he doesn't do work, and all the reasons he did it. So what was the problem? The answer, the Chazal said at the end of the day, Le'elam, you can't uh, show that preference of Ben Ben Abonim. But why did Yaakovina do it? He did it because he had to show Yasef that he has these special talents, otherwise he's not going to use them. And you know what? Yasef understood that because he had such special talents. He was getting these navuas in these dreams and he felt he had to share them because there's a dinner, Kavish Nevuasa. If you don't share them, that's an Aveiro. If he has a role to play within the brothers, so he shared them. Well, that also got him in trouble, even though he's right in that sense, you've got to share it. The question is how you do it, how you highlight it. And these are the mistakes of the other Sagadation, which had to be done. It's not, therefore, don't show them they're special. The question is, how much, where, how? And the next paragraph talks about working and helping, not from the parents' point of view, from the brother's point of view, of helping your siblings grow, helping your family members grow, helping your close friends grow. The Iker Ava is to care about their Ruchnius. Iker Ava, Ava Sanefesh, three lines at the bottom. Gech Yireh Baroya Sheyimsa Es Echav Ba'ilam Emes. 
Because at the end of the day, at the end of the lifetime, if you didn't help where you could to push somebody to grow and push somebody to learn and push somebody to give, and the other man is, he's going to have tightness on you, and you're both going to be there, and it's going to be obvious he could have done better, and it's partially your fault. And as he mentioned yesterday, it's a kibbut of aim issue also. Kibbut of aim means you have to service the parents, and when they're not here. And the parents' hemshuch is the children. And the children are supposed to be helping each other out. And if the children could have grown and succeeded more, and they didn't, the parents are losing out. That is falling down on your responsibilities to keep it of aim. These are tremendous issues and tremendous opportunity. And this applies to siblings, friends, Associates. In the proper way. An achiv to show by example, achiv to make the relationship warmer, that they can learn from you and they can share with you. And have rachmanus on the nefesh of your parents, who might be there, might not be there. And give Musr in the most pleasant, beautiful way that you can. I always tell people the first line you start with is, I have the same problem, and I also struggle with this. Help me, and I'll help you. It's true, it's not true. You make him feel like he's not a stranger, and that he's not doing something that nobody else struggles with, and there's something wrong with him. Supplies to brothers, nephews, grandchildren, friends, whoever's close is the immediate chiv, when possible. If you remember from Terach, Terach was with the greatest Makar ever in the history of the world, Abba coming up in next week's parasha. We know from Chazal, he never did tshuva, remained in Ovid of Azar until Abba left the house. Because often the worst person to be Makar of you is your child, because you remember them in diapers. So that didn't work, but with siblings, with nephews in the other direction, that can work well if it's done properly. Lazakas is echav, is b'nei echav, b'terah and besides the fact that you're and this is real ivorous we spoke about yesterday in the shir and a kiyam of achdus it's also a tremendous kiyam and the next entry which we're going to discuss next week is achdus has a lot to do no coincidence with Parshas Nayach and Migdal Bovel we'll get to it next week this year we'll continue uh, tomorrow night, Monday night upstairs, a quarter to nine.